Um, what is the news of the day? Uh, well, there were a few signings, um, but uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some other news. You could say it was news. Uh, John Tavares was on uh, The Fan. Uh, was it yesterday? It was the other day. And I wanted, yeah, I wanted to talk about hockey monogamy. Mm. Because, what a term. Right? You got to coin that. You got to you got to <laughs> copyright that. Well, we'll see we'll see, you know, how it sounds and if if it's a, an idea worth pursuing, but but John Tavares comes on the radio station, of course, it's a Toronto radio station, so right. they're going to ask about whether or not he is consider would ever consider coming to Toronto to be a Maple Leaf. Now, we all follow the Steven Stamkos saga. A lot of Leaf fans expected him to come to Toronto. He didn't. Mm-hmm. The next big player in line, especially a player that's from Canada, mm-hmm. uh, was Jamie Benn. He signed eight years, Dallas. He's mm-hmm. off the list. So the next player really in line uh, from from Canada, and he's from Ontario, is John Tavares. And he who, came, who has two yeah. more years left, I should add. He's got two more years left at six mil. I mean, he, that's a, it's great value uh for the islanders but it's not like this is this isn't a storyline that could develop next summer we're still right two summers away from this being a thing and already toronto fans are chomping at the bit right well and and uh and like you said like it's two years away so he can't even renegotiate with with the islanders sure. yet so it's it's not even on the radar but it's summer and it's a toronto radio station you've got john Tavares. you're gonna ask him about it but he said no way he essentially said that he was in it for the long haul mm-hmm. with New York. And this is what I wanted to talk about because this is what Steven Stamkos did. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he, he could have gone anywhere. He could have made as much money as he wanted. He could have been, uh, you know, the bell of the ball in Toronto or wherever he went. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to stay in Tampa, certainly because they're closest to winning. Uh, sure. But he wanted to see it through. This is the expression, you know, whether it's that exact phrase or not. And I, I'm just I'm just curious, you know, uh, uh, in in a cap world, mm-hmm. in in a world where you can you can only sign eight years max or seven, uh, you know, where does this come from? This desire from these guys to quote unquote see it through. And I'm not I'm not suggesting that all players from Ontario should come to Toronto. Not at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I was just curious because uh, of all like of all things like of all other issues aside. There's a lot of weird stuff going in New York with the Islanders. Yeah. And you question whether or not a player like Tavares would want a, perhaps a better opportunity, or certainly a different opportunity with an ownership group right. that isn't sort of, a, I know it's a new one, but there's a lot of change going on, which means change for the players. And so what is this hockey monogamy situation with John Tavares? What do you make of that? Well, the Stamkos one makes sense to me. Right. But the, the thing about the Tavares you know, comment and and who knows he could change his mind somewhere down the road. But the thing that about the Tavares thing that's interesting is is I don't know if it's if it's so much I want to see it through. That's the that's the the, the phrase they're going to use. But to me, it's it's about comfort. You know, I think if we really break it down, you know, hockey players, a lot of athletes are they are routine driven. You know, uh, professionals. They are routine driven people. And the idea of comfort, knowing the rink, uh, you know, knowing things in and out. Routine. That, yeah, yeah, that is going to help you perform. So to be able to say, you know what, I don't have to uproot myself. I don't have to learn new this. You know, I, I got my sandwich guy. I, I know where I go in the morning. <laughs> got my hot dog guy. I got my, you had to. But like the, that, but that, but you know, on the contrary, that's kind of what makes the Tavares thing so interesting, right? Because there's not a lot of comfort there. They're in it. They, you know, they moved to a new building. There's already been rumors that they're going to move again. Um, this seems more like, than one, yeah. Right. This seems like one of those franchises that is always in a constant state of flux. So that's why the Tavares thing is interesting because I, I think that's where the 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 hockey monogamy comes from. Like, you know, nobody likes change. Really, like yeah. you know, and especially if you are in the business of competing night in and night out, and and you're in a results-driven business, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, comfort and reliability is is really important to an athlete. And you know, you could probably walk in to Toronto uh, and, and be given the keys to the franchise, and and you know, it they would probably work to make that transition as smooth as possible, but boy there's a lot of stuff on the periphery that would make it difficult to transition and then the other thing is look Tavares 
he'll sign for a lot of money, but he will always have that, you know, out card. Like, look, we, we also live in an age where athletes demand trades. Right. And they usually get away with it. Now, the other thing he said was that some of the best players of all time have mm. played their entire careers with one team. And to that, I would say, first of all, well, he says some. He's not saying all. But I suppose that's true. But look at some of the best players of all time and and what movement they've gone through and whether whether it was Wayne Gretzky going to L.A. and the good that that did for Sunbelt Hockey or... Uh, or St. Louis. The, yeah, The good sure. that that did for... Um, uh, next question. Uh, Mark Messier going to New York and yep. revitalizing hockey yep. in New York. Uh, but then you had Mario Lemieux sticking around in Pittsburgh to the extent of like multiple returns from retirement now he's part of the ownership group this guy is true mm-hmm. pittsburgh penguins mm-hmm. he's a, a life force he kept that that boat from sinking uh so you can see the appeal from both sides but by no means is there evidence that you know the the best players stick with one team look at ray bork etc you know yeah i don't know how much it affects someone's legacy because again i think when you're an athlete of, of john Tavares' stature like you you think you have to think about legacy and again, that, that might sound incredibly naive, but I think somewhere in the back of, of his mind, in the back of Stamco's mind, he's like, how, how am I going to be remembered? Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I, I, I know you don't like talking about anything but hockey, but like, <laughs> how, what, is, what is Kevin Durant's decision? You know, how is that going to affect his legacy? If, if John Tavares, let's just say, hypothetically, that he did decide to, to you know, sign with the Leafs in two years, um, all indications are that the Leafs are going to be a very good club in two years. And down the middle. Sure. Yeah. So he goes there and it's like, well, yeah, you kind of took the easy, you know, route to win there, didn't you? And that's kind of what we, that's kind of the, that's how a lot of people are talking about Kevin Durant. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't see that so much in hockey free agency now. You know, like, like if we look at Milan Lucic, yep. I, he's definitely didn't take the easy route. No, nope. there's going to still a lot of hurt coming in Edmonton. Um, I think you and I are are definitely at an age of a generation where that did matter, and it was mm. kind of in that state of flux. These players you named, Bork, Messier, Gretzky, those were you know our heroes growing up, and we had to get used to seeing them in a new jersey. Yeah, I think a a, a, a younger generation of hockey fan actually doesn't care. You know, they yeah. actually yeah. don't, because that's, uh, uh, without getting too big, that's the world we live in. We mm-hmm. live in a, a, a world that is that is in a constant state of flux. And, and I don't think, um, I don't think it would matter that much to a, to a younger hockey fan. We talked uh, before, a few episodes ago about like Brad Richards. How right. do you remember your Brad Richards? But, you know, you still remember Brad Richards' uh as Brad Richards. Well, and as a as a hometown fan, I can understand if you lose your guy to free agency, you're upset. Uh, maybe your ideas about him change, uh, his legacy from your perspective changes. But if you're an objective hockey fan, mm-hmm. isn't it exciting? Uh, not necessarily constant player movement, but isn't it exciting to say, here goes big bad Milan Lucic to Edmonton right. to fill that gap that they've always thought that they... Uh, had this void of uh, go and go and play defense (laughs) or goal or goal Uh, but he goes he goes and gets a chance to redefine his career yeah you know Patrick Waugh got to go and redefine part of his identity as a hockey player and his legacy is the way that he thumbed his nose at Montreal after they traded him he goes and wins a cup the following season uh that that is such an exciting prospect as an objective hockey fan Mm -hmm. to see someone change teams and go and redefine their legacy go and do something for a different city again mark messier from edmonton you know he stuck around after gretzky left became the captain won another cup Mm -hmm. what else was there for him to do in edmonton right yeah like he could have he could have stayed there but the ownership there didn't want to pay their players and Paul Coffey left and Mark Messier left and he went and got a cup for New York who hadn't had one in 54 years. Mm-hmm. And when I say, when we play, speaking of the Jersey game, mm-hmm. if you say Mark Messier, I agree. I agree. Don't you see Rangers, right? Well, I see that photo. Right. You know, I see that, that photo of him, you know, shaking the cup like it's a, like it's a, 
you know a can of fago or something you know like uh there's an icp shout out there (laughs) um that yeah you're right you know and and allowing an an athlete an opportunity to kind of uh redefine how he or she is is viewed you know um is important Tavares just probably says i don't i don't need that yeah i'm i'm good yeah you know we we know we all know those people that are just you know constantly uh comfortable even if the even if everything around them is 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 revolving and turning as and and look at Sidney crosby this is an example of today you know of a current player who had plenty of plenty of reasons to leave a team that had ownership issues uh playoff disappointments um he got to probably help dictate who was on the roster um probably had, yeah and then you had but then you had a new gm who yeah came in and did his own stuff right? right and uh and that only helped crosby in the long run but there's an there's an example of a guy from today who stuck around with his team and and uh, of course all of canada would have loved to see him uh come up here but he saw it through right and what a turnaround for the penguins this year i mean it's it's, sure. it's still it's still a surprise to me that the, the penguins won the cup I still look back and think not not that they aren't capable, but what a year! Like, yeah. well, like uh, since since the the cap and especially the last few years, yeah. Uh, you 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 start to have in your head a model of what it takes to win, and you look at the teams that have done it and see what they've done. Pittsburgh had disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, and then it was trade, 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 cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like they made a few trades and Crosby had a uh, his own little mini renaissance in the middle of the season they changed coaches and they win a cup like what model is that like, that, that's why I'm still surprised I, I'm surprised too I, I am I have to remind myself sometimes you know when I'm when I'm sweating on a bus I'm like oh yeah <laughs> Pittsburgh won the cup and Phil Kessel is a cup the world is a, is a is a good place sometimes so that's the question for you before we head to break quickly Yes, Phil Kessel jersey. Where do you see him in? Oh, I mean, it's still Toronto. It's still Toronto because that's where all the Phil Kessel stories come from. Mm-hmm. But in a few years, that might be different. Um, yeah, no, it's it's still Toronto, but um, but give it time, give it time. Like when the, when a player's career is over, is when I really like to to ask that question. Right? Mm-hmm. So how do you see him? Now I was going to say uh, maybe a bit of house cleaning before we uh, get to our guest. Love who, the house cleaning. Well, and love our guest, and yeah. I'll, I'll let you uh, uh, introduce him and talk a little bit about what we're going to uh, cover today. But uh, just that we had a, an announcement go out today, uh, July 27th, uh, that we do have a Puck Talks show coming up September 15th. Uh, it's going to be at 918 Bathurst, so we've been there many times. Uh, awesome guest list, and I happen to notice that there are three guests on that list that have been on this podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. You're uh, you're getting a little preview into uh, uh, maybe a little bit about what we're talking about, but also who we're talking to. We we I, I didn't know this. We're going to host a live podcast. That's right. Yeah. So one of the segments of the show will uh, we'll have on some guests yet to be announced and uh, and do our own little pod from the uh, from the venue. It'll be are, great. You, are you comfortable doing a live podcast? We usually have oh, yeah. to do a few stops and starts for me i mean so, i say yeah but yeah. no it'd be great yeah <laughs> what i like about 918 bathurst uh is doesn't it kind of feel like a church <laughs> sure like i almost feel like we're going to uh to uh i feel like that's what it pray was. to the hockey gods right i i think that's what it, i think that's what it was i think uh i think someone you know that 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 it's been is, refurbished well i think someone showing this off as a community center is pulling a fast one uh and there I, was just beer and pulled pork and hockey shows. it's pizza this time oh pizza okay and my eyes lit up when i saw that today i'm not kidding at all um our guest today very very exciting uh tim thompson um if you've watched hockey night in canada in the last few years um you have probably tuned in early to see tim thompson's work uh tim thompson is the guy who uh creates i guess you could say produces um these beautiful films uh, that that set up that set up the game, um, you know they're very often set to music, and usually um, they are scored by some incredible, you know, Canadian uh, right. acts. 
and and I've seen a few uh, set to the tragically hip. Now, um, if you know anything about, if you know anything about Canada, <laughs> if you know anything about me, <laughs> uh, no, I I think this should come as no surprise to to anybody. I am a massive tragically hip fan, and it um, it's a big, strange, exciting, strange, strange year. Uh, and for, sad year as a sad year I'm, I'm trying not to get too sad yeah, but, yeah. but no it's a strange year and uh, for them they're currently on tour uh, what some believe not me is their last tour um, so we are going to talk to Tim about what it takes to make these Hockey Night in Canada films we're going to talk about some of his favorite films and you know why not we're going to talk about The Tragically Hip and it's a good uh, time. It's a good it, time to talk about that. It is a good time. So we're gonna take a quick break when we come back. Tim Thompson. back joe we've got uh we've got someone sitting across from us who um I, I think we can both admit we we are big fans of so can we put our fan hats on for this one i will say and i mentioned uh, during the break that uh uh tim's gig is essentially my my dream gig i grew i was saying to josh that i was i was an iMovie baby ever since mm. it's come out with the mac and i grew up editing and music videos and stuff like that so uh, as soon as I started to follow your work, it was uh, it was right at that intersection, you know, of, of hockey and art, and I think we can always afford to have more of that. So we're talking to Tim Thompson, uh, best known uh, as the creator of the films that that we have seen on Hockey Night in Canada. So one of my favorites, um, and and the one kind of that I come back to is that transformation, which I guess would have been released in 2012. Mm-hmm. What I remember is this. Um, it was all about Braden Holtby. I, I believe it was Caps Rangers. Is yeah, that right? It was, yeah. Um, so, first things first. Um, you know, walk us through uh, the kind of the process when you make uh, a video. Like, how, how much time do you have, and 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 how much does the music uh, impact the, the the scenes you choose, and you know, the on ice scenes you choose, and vice versa? Sure. Yeah. I guess each one's kind of different in a way. Um, it's usually the music that dictates. Uh, obviously a huge music fan and a junkie and listen all the day all day every day and so in terms of time frame uh during the year it was always one a week so you had six days to think and create and get it done in time for seven o'clock and then playoffs was where then madness broke out and it was Mm -hmm. every day every other day so for that one for that transformation um you know you had a day uh to basically put it together so that was the trick of the playoffs always was to because we couldn't just use any song we wanted to we had to go through a legal process to clear them and there was money involved so some songs were out of our price range some took a while to clear some uh, wouldn't clear at all so uh, that was the trick of getting a roster of songs that kind of fit different situations and you know you try to forecast who's going to be playing or what you know some that have certain themes or um, or that to it or a lyric that would make perfect sense for if this were to happen or that were to happen so um, yeah sometimes it's a lot better to be rushed in the you know the craziness of the playoffs having one every day forced you to really you know focus and you had 12 or t- sorry 24 hours to right. to make sure the next one was ready to go uh, so time was a bit different in essence um, ideally you'd have a couple of days to kind of flesh it out and to find things you want and and do it when and when you got into the playoffs it was more about i guess what was going on in that series so it wasn't like you're you know often went pe- to the past and many times but um the concise nature of it was that game or that night or what happened the night before what was you thought was going to happen mm-hmm. that night so um so yeah but usually it was the music that dictated it uh um a, a sign uh, excuse me a lyric or um something that made you think about that uh mm-hmm of whatever was going to happen and often it worked out. it usually always worked out that there was the right song available for yeah. whatever situation was coming and that was cool that was in a long line of I think five or so world premieres of hip songs that I did and that was a monster thing for me because you know they're you know what they are and well they're everything and Gord's, yeah. <laughs> yeah we can get into Gord uh, and that but 
for that specific one to answer your question, um, yeah, it was Rangers and Caps and Braden Holby was young. Yeah, I think he was a rookie at the time. And it was Game was, 7 too, I think. Yeah, it was uh, back in New York and, and he was facing uh, Lungfist and there was this crazy series going on and the hip had a record coming out mm-hmm. that no one had heard and they sent over uh, the song and I listened to him. I go, oh, wow, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. always, there's such rich imagery and yeah. and beautiful lyrics by Gord and the band. Like it just had all the right peaks and valleys and got slow and fast and really kind of cool dark voice of his. And then mm-hmm. it popped in the chorus and and then Patty, their manager, emailed me. He's like, hey, how's it going? And I'm sitting here with Gord and do you want the lyrics? And I'm like, yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah, of course I do. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So they sent over the lyrics and everything was, you know, it was beautiful. The great moments about, um, you know, the idea of transformation Mm -hmm. and in my head, the game goes quiet and all that great stuff. And hope he has those magic shots. um, Yeah. You know, on the bench or he had one in Madison square garden was used in that one. And he was standing behind the glass, staring out over the ice with his eyes closed. And yeah, so that one was great and t-ball for that kind of thing it was a pretty physical series from what i remember mm-hmm. and uh so yeah just lyrically it fit hopey was kind of the thread of the whole thing and then there was this built-up aggression between the two teams around it that kind of fit that idea and then you know you find out after the fact what that you know the majority of i think that record was about for Gord, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it blows your mind but it, i guess yeah. it goes back to the idea of the greatest lyricists have these incredibly deep and poetic and rich lyrics that are full of imagery and metaphor and you know they can mean one thing to someone and something else to someone and uh yeah so to take something like that and apply it to you know a specific hockey game that was going on that night based on the song that they had just you know were about to release and and the pressure the it was a great pressure but like this was the first time anyone was going to hear any of that song mm-hmm. and it was a you know a, i think it was about a two and a half minute cut down of it based you know for time but uh so yeah, that was pretty awesome. Man. <laughs> I and 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 I think I mean obviously I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. But we were talking about the playoffs, you know. And we're obviously talking about the hip. Another one that that springs to mind. I know uh, again, Game Seven in a series that you know this entire city probably wants to forget in 2013 against the Bruins. You used fully completely uh, for Game Seven, and a lot of that was focused on on one of our favorite subjects, Phil Kessel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I was watching that game in a bar, and 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 the sound was off at that point, and so I didn't hear. I didn't watch it till the next day. Um, I and I was like, it, it just again, it it seemed perfect. So I kind of wanted to expand on that. When we think about the hip, very often a lot of people go to hockey. You know, there's these tropes that they go to, and and that's fair in a lot of ways, but. Thinking about film specifically, because you could probably use the hip for a number of sports, but for you as, as a filmmaker, what is it about this band that we, you know, an entire country kind of loves and adores? What is it about their music that makes it go mesh with film so well? Yeah, I, that's a, you know, I could go on for hours about yeah. that. Uh, Let's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I guess for me, I guess, I guess music's different for everyone. For me, it kind of starts with the voice and the lyric mm-hmm. and if i don't feel that then it, i kind of get it, it gets lost upon me um so directly with them it's that voice and those words and what do you say like mm. the guy is a genius mm-hmm. um writes things that puts them in ways and descriptions of uh, events and feelings and emotions and metaphor that blow your mind like you go back and um on a side note, John Sampson has a, a book he put out of his lyrics, yep. every song, and uh, I would, you know, that would be a great thing <laughs> to have one day to just leaf through Gord's, you know, songbook, essentially his lyric book, and um, so I think for me that is the starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so rich and so there's such there's stories really like you can take them in many ways, like you can take the idea fully completely and apply it to what was going on with Phil Kessel then, and yeah. and you know if you dive into that in the you know the majesty of, of his lyrics and stuff and the band's awesome obviously and the songs have such ebb and flow to them and you know they rise and they fall and they it's perfect for the idea of film and it's not just this one constant or it's not a cut and paste um auto-tune type thing this is real and this is honest and it's rock and roll at its purest i think and and you put that you know that sound with all you know the band humming and i think you can tell the bond with people Mm -hmm. through their music and how tight they are and together they are you can see that on you know the tour they're on right now 
We um, yeah, and, and we know we, like look, we we know the songs that they sing about hockey. These are songs that like a lot of people go to. Uh, that that's the first tip song that I ever got you know turned on to was Fifty Mission Cap. Um, but I I think there's something else there. I mean, we know they're fans of hockey. Mm-hmm. We know they play hockey. We know Gord himself has, has written poems about you know about playing hockey, playing goalie. Um, for you, is it just the lyrics or, or is there something more there? Like in a broader sense, what is it about the hip that you think, you know, ties them so closely to this game? Is, is And, and I'm just going to throw a, a theory at you. I think sure. the hip, I, I was writing about the hip for, for something that's coming out soon and, and I, you know, not to give it all away, but I, I said that they were the most widely shared secret in the country. You know, we all, we all know them. We don't want to share them you know with with any other with anybody else but if you're in on the secret you know it's like oh yeah yeah the hip like like i'm a hip fan you're a hip fan okay we're, we're in on this together and i think for a lot of canadians it's like that with hockey too you know it's just something that we're so protective of and we're so there's this and i know merrick and, and wyshynski have talked about this too but the, we're there's this fear of letting hockey out of our grasp you know and and that's kind of ingrained in us and so why do you think that we are forever, you know, why do you think we forever associate this band that has such a incredible, you know, deep catalog? Why do we always quickly associate them with hockey? Hmm. Uh, I know, I'm putting you on the that, spot. No, that's but a loaded we question. pause the recording. So yeah. We think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one I've been to, working on that one. That's one to sit around. Yeah. And um, to not, I think it's just so, as you said, kind of ingrained in this country and, um, yeah, wow, that's... Uh, I know. I, you no, know, it's a beautiful question, and, you know, I hope to give a suitable answer, but um, I think it's so ingrained in the feeling of this country. Um, you see they have toured in the winter, and they've toured in the summer, and it fits a campfire as easily as a horribly gusty, frigid winter's day, and I think it's just... Maybe it's that thing, it's the secret that we had, or that we have, and... Um, I think it's so ingrained. He's told the stories of things. I always say this. He made the art of hockey possible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a hockey player. I grew up. I played in the OHL. I played pro. And there's that line between that and the art world. And and here's this guy, the lead singer of the biggest band in the country, and he's singing about this sport. And he's singing about, you know, not Wayne Gretzky and not, you know, Gordie Howe or something. He's singing about Bill Barilko or he's singing about you know his local rink across the street where he'd go and play or he's talking about his relationship with his dad and I guess the idea of that hockey is so ingrained and it means so much to so many people and I think the music's the same way I don't even know if I'm describing this properly but um, I guess it's a feeling and they've I've told this he writes this story I guess Justin what a Justin Trudeau tweeted out he's written the soundtrack for the last 30 years and maybe that's uh a simplistic way to say it but in many ways it's very true that you know they're ours they told stories they talk about Bob Cage and like I learned about Hugh McLennan and about Al Purdy and about all these things that your history textbooks weren't going to tell you about like so in many ways it's a you know a teaching in many ways and and I think the music and the lyrics go hand in hand like I think what you know a lot of songs are weird like they have these really cool and weird parts to them and and the lyrics aren't straightforward like you're not getting baby 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 or, like these are deep impactful things that you i still uncover new things all the time in songs i've heard hundreds of times and and i think maybe that's it like they're they're from here obviously they get it they these are their the stories of our country and i think canada in many ways is such a you know oh you know boring history a boring country there's nothing going on there and there's all these there's nothing to be further from the truth you know the textbooks you can't that's not the reality of life i think and i think what they're touching on with those stories of the you know the the forgotten people or the people not publicized or the people like them that these little secrets like of hugh mcclennan you read his books they're unbelievable <laughs> al purdy like and it's uh yeah it's maybe that's it it's a feeling of what this country is and it it uh yeah and musically it just translates so well i think we're very diverse obviously in unique country and their music is very diverse and unique so i think i don't know it's a replication not a replica like a shadow or a parallel to who we are i guess which can be simplistic but i don't know yeah no and and like you said i mean it's 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 a huge question 
and you, you try to answer it and you, you feel like you can only maybe grasp part of the answer totally. before it kind of slips away even as you're talking about it but but I thought maybe that I would you know even quote you Tim since you're here uh, and jumping off of this idea of, of hockey and art uh, and and Trudeau who you just mentioned um, you wrote a, a piece for Slapshot Diaries about um, uh, about hockey Canada music that intersection and the jumping off point was uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau but I just wanted to read a, a little excerpt here from the piece where you're talking about um, uh, real statics and uh, and you said um, I had a long-standing respect for the band and had heard of them like many from the opening lines of live between us the wonderful live album from the tragically hit uh, when when they said this is for the Rio statics we're all richer for having seen them tonight he was right they're a vital part of the Canadian music, music landscape, making sense of and believing in this vast land and music that just sounds like Canada. And I don't know if, if you have anything to add or a thought off of that, but, but it sounded like, you know, we're kind of dancing around that idea of what is the sound mm-hmm. of Canada yeah. and how does that pertain to hockey? It's, it's tough to, to put your finger on it. But it's you know it's uh, it's something that I think uh, those the videos the films that you that you work on I think uh, it's such an ephemeral thing even fans who watch it love it why do you love it it's hard to describe but yeah. it's there and it makes sense to people yeah totally and yeah that description I think for the Rios and stuff is the same with the hip for me it's it just sounds like Canada it sounds like us and I think the game it it's a game and it's a sport and it's what people watch and what they do and. And you go back to your childhood, and I think you, you you're reminded of your parents or your grandparents or of friends from days gone by or a park that you played in or or something. And uh, like to this day, every time I hear it, um, in the forget your skates dreamline, and if it's a mm-hmm. good life, you don't weaken. I'm I, without fail every time I hear that song. When I hear that line, I'm taken back to when I played a year of tier two junior A, and we were playing in Thornhill, and I got to their dressing room. I was played for a team in Bramley, and we were getting dressed and it was a they were a great team and it was close to the end of the season and and I got there I'm like okay getting dressed and then oh shit right skate where are you did I lose it and I I lived that forget your skates dream and frantically called and my mom jumped on the subway and came up uh, one of those things but moments like that like mm-hmm. you hear a line and it takes you somewhere back to your childhood back to you know girlfriends or you know grandparents or school as a kid and I guess it's just all that in this in this melting pot of this game in this country and uh um yeah to go off that the like the Trudeau thing like that yeah. the, in that article the day Trudeau passed away I went to see the Rio Statics at Ted's Wrecking Yard the next night I drove to Rochester to see the hip at uh, a theater there and because I knew Gord was a huge Trudeau fan and I just felt like the thing to do and and because it was in Rochester in a, in a theater the bus was outside and you could wait and they would come out and you, you did talk. that you used to do that too hey? a lot yeah okay, good, good, good. okay. <laughs> yeah I went through a period when I retired from hockey and came back here I didn't know what was going on with things and uh trying to figure out next stage of my life and I went to a lot of concerts and saw them a lot then and I think I'm over 50 in total but for that one in particular I waited outside after and they came out and and Gore came out, and at the very start of the show, when they walked out, obviously the crowd went bananas, and um, he said, this is, I uh, dedicated the show to Pierre. And I thought, wow, that's really beautiful. And the completest, which I think that line mm-hmm. was about, you know. The, it's, like it's about his son. Yeah, his son uh, yeah, passed the line away about in the, the avalanche. flower, which yeah. was Pierre's thing. And uh, so afterwards, I, you know, he came out, and I just said, hey, I just wanted to thank you for dedicating the show is a huge part of my life and my family and my parents and all that and he looked at me and he said uh um this was before i knew him uh he said uh i didn't think anyone heard that and he looked those eyes if you've ever met him mm, and it's, eyes it's, locked, it's very intimidating and he said thank you thank you very much and tapped me on the hip and and that was the exchange and it was like it was like that whole between the Rios and that night and everything it was just it made sense of what was going down in a way and uh, yeah you know it's uh, yeah what was the question <laughs> <laughs> well what, I mean I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off on that because I mean like everybody in this room like everybody in, in, in a lot of rooms I mean we're, we're thinking about the band in a different way now because the, the thing the, the way that I've been kind of framing them is that they were just um they provided a sense of comfort to a lot of people because they were so consistent. It's a great word. You know, and it was just like, it just felt 
like nice and 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 wholesome and it felt joyous mm-hmm. you know they were never a band that you attached with sadness right you know the the they were never band you you put on you have bands you 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 put the record on when you're sad i mean the, the first uh, dance that i shared with my wife uh we got married last summer was a hip song and for me even though it's a slow kind of somber song it's attached to a very very happy memory because I didn't fall over, and I got to lead. I got to lead the dance, which uh, which is is rare. But yeah. I mean, it, and and I apologize for throwing another heavy one no, at you. No, but, but I love like, it. I love it. Uh, the band is on tour right now. You know, we're we're a few weeks away from from getting to see them in in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll see you there. And of course. of course, I mean, we we talk about the hockey thing, but I guess I I I, I want to know like. Is that almost, for lack of a better term, selling them short in a way? Like, how are we going to remember this band? Like, I guess I'm, I'm asking that because I, I know that I, a lot of friends of mine came by the band because they used to grow up listening to them in dressing rooms, mm-hmm. you know, playing sure. whatever, AAA or, or, or whatever it is. Sure. Um, uh, I never grew up playing hockey, but I still found this band and I still found Bill Barilko and I found an, an early interest in the Leafs you know, partly because of my father, but also partly because of this band. But, but that can't be it, right? There, oh, there's yeah. more to this band. So, 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 if we, I know that, and and that's a great story. I didn't know that that you know you, once you finished your hockey career, you you, you found the hip. Uh, I think for me, it was I I finished university. I got frustrated with with university, and I found the hip. Um, so how are you going to remember them? Yeah. I guess where the fandoms like growing up and I was always a fan obviously mm. huge fan and then when you're playing at the, I was playing in the OHL and playing pro and playing university so you're basically your life's committed to that so you don't yeah. have a lot of time to do a lot of things so I saw several concerts and certainly but yeah as you said when life changed and stuff uh, uh, the fo- you know I went to all the time like ridiculous amounts of <laughs> which was great and I, you know hockey's I think one part is you know a very weighty and significant part of what you know they're attached to but you know it's i think it's a small part in the general scheme of things it's mm-hmm. there's touched on so much like um you know the first nation stuff mm-hmm. uh the history the you know the geography of this country and i think um and there's a lot of universal things obviously in there and international things and um i think it's hockey's a popular popular thing so that's why it kind of gets a lot of ink and a lot of press and you know it gets on hockey in canada and stuff so there's obviously that tie to you know on the on the grand scale but yeah it's it's this tour has been heavy like reading reviews Mm. and set lists Mm. and seeing footage and i'm actually doing some stuff for the cbc show um so going through all this stuff and just it's i honestly think that this tour will probably go down as one of the most remarkable tours in the country's history um it's just there's so much going on like it's so it's so heavy like everyone is you know i think gutted you know no one saw how could you see this coming but when you heard the news it was just like i was gutted and it just really Mm. affected all i did was listen and over and over and over and over and over and watched interviews and and found funny moments from the past and laughed and cried and Mm. and you know just really connected um with that and yeah the, when Toronto's coming up and you know it got announced a few months ago and it's like okay August is you know it's so far away and now mm-hmm. it's upon us and you see what is going on what they're doing now and it's just remarkable like some of the footage that I've seen come out it, like if you saw the Grace 2 from Vancouver on the yeah, first night that yeah. moment is like and it, yeah I guess that kind of puts a f- the, that idea of that feeling or that you know if it's uh, in your yeah like you can yeah. see me <laughs> uh, he's, he's really pounding my heart, heart yeah. um, we should we should add um, <clears throat> for those of, of you the, the rare few that aren't like following this tour like it's it's the you know I, I wake up a few minutes I've well probably about 15 minutes before my wife every morning and that's that's what I've been talking about that's yeah. the, that's the first info she get not what's the weather like you know not like do you want some eggs for breakfast like they played this last night so what they're doing is is they're going through and uh, you know through their entire two-hour set and playing blocks of of albums three or four songs from usually seven or eight albums per night so it feels very much like a for lack of a better term, a journey through the past. And it's um, if just, again, it's three shows so far, but but really, really heavy shows. And again, I, I, 
I'm only at 39 shows, um, and this is these are ones that I was kind of like trepidatious. I'm like, look, I like do I because I I was scared of going to these shows. I was, and I still am. I'm scared of what's going to happen. I'm I'm scared of of like facing that emotion head on. I'm I'm going to the first one alone, and I'm really happy about that because I don't want to. I don't you know I don't want to have to explain to anybody else like what I'm going through but it's an it's a good thing that they're kind of doing that because a lot of times you see bands and 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 recently with the hip they've kind of leaned on more of like a greatest hit set list but to see them kind of play these like blocks of albums and play three songs from like Phantom Power in a row and then three songs from like Trouble to Henhouse in a row it's like you know it's it's on a Wednesday their first show's on a Wednesday Joe so we usually record on Wednesday so I'm out by the way I'm out I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna make it yeah it's uh you know, Tim, I, I, I wanted to uh, change gears a little bit only to ask a little bit about um, uh, you personally navigating the worlds of hockey and art because, um, you know, it's it, they aren't necessarily two that always go hand in hand, mm-hmm. you know, and just like a brief background of myself, like uh, I remember in my last year of high school, I had to choose at the end of the year between attending my Game 7 hockey game or attending a competition I was involved in as an actor with a theater group and I chose the theater group and I often think back to that moment and and I think I think about how in the dressing room I was somewhat of an outcast as someone who thought about things outside of hockey which is rare in a hockey dressing room and I felt like a bit of an outcast sometimes in the theater group as the jock of, of in the room right and and so it was I I love being at that intersection of hockey and art, but it's not always one that's easy to navigate, and part of that is social. So, what is it? What has it been like for you? Whether it was you know your adolescence, or growing into uh, becoming a filmmaker, and, and your love of music and and playing hockey, uh, did you fit in? Did, like, what is the the trick, or what what are the difficulties of of being an artist who likes hockey, or a hockey player who? likes art mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting my mom always says like they didn't see this coming this part of you know uh growing up it was uh i'll preface that with saying music was and is and will always be a huge part of our lives and i grew up you know going to the cottage and that listening to elvis and leonard cohen and gordon lightfoot and my dad is the hugest elvis vinyl collection i think ever <laughs> he's not one of those fanatical collingwood ones but uh <laughs> musically uh, and gordon lightfoot was a huge part and leonard cohen that was those Two, I guess Lightfoot and Cohen were the two that kind of were always there in the background, and from so yeah, from a very early age that was always going. And and you know, like mo- a lot of kids, I was obsessed with hockey and played religiously everywhere all day. Um, and then as I kind of got growing into thinking, oh, okay, this might turn into some sort of a career when you hit like fourteen or fifteen, and uh, and got into the OHL, and you're very very close. Um, music always remained. I remember sneaking out of curfew in the OHL to go see concerts. And uh, who would you go see? Just out of curiosity, that one know. was uh, I played Niagara Falls, and I guess there's no penalty for saying this now. No, uh, it was Guns N' Roses with no. the Brian May Band opening up at Cops Coliseum. <laughs> was it worth it? It was really good. Yeah. yeah, we had great seats on the floor, and oh, to see Brian May too was pretty yeah, yeah. magic. Uh, it was '93, uh, so it was like, I guess a year and it's a bit. It was after. an acceptable time to see yeah. Guns N' Roses. Yeah, it was when I guess Freddie had Freddie Mercury had passed away yeah. about a year and a half before. So you know, there's still, you know, Brian had written a solo record and yeah. some heavy things on there, and then Guns N' Roses was great. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, so yeah, so looking back on it, I could totally see these two rows paralleling my life and it's all i only assume it's natural now that they've intersected and the film thing i've always had like i always loved you know movies and watching good tv shows and stuff and so it's funny how those things were always kind of chugging along and then when i retired i didn't know what i was going to do and to bring it back to the hip i guess when i retired um the season ended early i was down in new mexico playing uh which was weird. Uh, it was a league. It was like Spinal Tap meets Slap Shot every day. Something happened that, that was like, great. yeah, that's the film. I think that's, it is. that's the film. <laughs> it's the one that's got to be made at yeah. some point. Um, but I got home and literally three days, I think it was two or three days later, the hip were opening the Air Canada Center. It was the first concert there ever. So obviously went to both. And, uh, February 27th, 1999. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> okay, Josh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so, you know, to bring it back to there. But yeah, and then just kind of always have this weird kind of 
head I guess I walk around the city and see these things go off in my mind all the time always having songs playing along and uh, um, so yeah I think it was natural that these these I guess three things would would collide and uh, it just kind of happened I got into working at actually worked at Sportsnet for a year in their newsroom back when they were up in Scarborough next to TSN there Um, didn't know a thing about what I was doing other than I knew a lot about hockey and they had uh, their playoff analyst that year was Craig Simpson so he was kind of analyzing each game every night he wasn't doing the color back then Uh, so I worked with him and I was the only one that could really talk the lingo with him and Mm -hmm. so I cut my teeth and learned a lot there and then moved over to TSN and then the NHL Network and uh, got to do some documentaries it was the NHL Network had just started at the time uh, so they had you know, not much money, but they had oodles of uh, air space mm-hmm. to. So yeah, I got to do a, again not to come back to them all the time. But the second year, I made a documentary on the off-season training of three players: mm-hmm. it was Eric Lindros, Gary Roberts, and Aaron Downey. Um, Aaron was like trained Rocky Four style on the land on the farm, and Gary was like the mad gym guy. And mm-hmm. then Eric was kind of in between, and got this thing done. And I wanted to do a soundtrack, and I'm like, ah what's this feel like to me? And mm-hmm. Gord had just put out Battle of the Nudes, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this feels like the dinner is ruined. Yeah, yeah. The band. So yeah. I was going up to my cottage, went into the Mariposa Folk Festival to see Gord and the band play, and standing there watching one of the opening bands, I looked next to me, and Dale Morningstar was standing there, so I'm like, okay, this is fate. Yeah. So I just introduced myself, and one thing led to another, and the dinner's ruined, did the soundtrack for this doc. And uh, um, so, yeah, that was kind of the first thing that started this music hockey uh, film kind of thing going and it just kind of picked up from there and um, I guess Ron McLean and Don Cherry love that doc it was called Three Guys in a Goal uh, and then I ended up meeting the exec from Hockey Night at the Madison Bar a couple mm-hmm. of months mm-hmm. after it aired and we were talking and his name was Shirelli, er, is Shirelli Najak and we kept in touch and a couple of years later he called and said uh, we really want uh, would you come down and um, it was started as a three month contract at CBC with Hockey Night and, and uh, just kind of led one led to another and to another and that led to eight years on that show and uh again to come back to music uh i was filming i have a side kind of production company and i was doing a a film that ultimately was called born to it it was about five toronto songwriters at various points in their careers and Mm -hmm. just it's kind of like what the life of an independent musician what's it like and it was someone just starting out someone about 10 years in and then a few guys that had been through the ringer and it was just all their different experiences and uh so at the time when i started hockey night uh one of the guys in it was Wayne Petty, who was the singer from Cuff the Duke, uh, and they were opening for Blue Rodeo at the time, so I've gone on that tour for about a week filming shows around Ontario, and uh, so I got in on the Tuesday for work, and Ron McLean came in, and he usually was only there on Saturdays, but the odd time he'd come in for a meeting, and I had never met him yet because I just started there, and uh, my office was, uh, when you walked into the space, it was right on the, the left-hand side, and he came in, and he looked at me, and he's like, oh, who's this guy? And so I introduced myself, and we were talking, I'm like, oh, I, you know, I was just, on, I knew he was good friends with Jim and Greg from mm-hmm. Blue Rodeo, and uh, I said, um, I was just on the road with them, and he asked why, so I told him about this thing, and, and Leonard Cohen had just announced his comeback tour, and he was coming, so I was like, oh, did you hear about that? And uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'd love to go, and but it's in June, and the finals are on the road, so I can't, and he looked at me, he goes, are you going? And I said, well, you know, tickets are two hundred and seventy-five dollars, <laughs> yeah. so I'd love to, but you know, it's probably not in the cards. And he came in Saturday that week and stopped at my office and dropped an envelope on the uh, my desk and said, "Have fun." And I opened up and it was two tickets to Leonard Cohen, and uh, so that started this great relationship with Ron, with mm-hmm. music and hockey, and and that's what led to, I guess, the musical uh, openings becoming what they were. You know, they didn't really do a lot before I got there. They would do a couple maybe in the playoffs, and they might do a, a hip or a blue rodeo premiere uh, i think they may have done one yeah. um, lonely end of the rink and then there's a you know basically ron's friends <laughs> uh um but yeah that led to this great thing and um you know uh i guess that is a long-winded way of saying that's kind of how that road began but those like those videos and 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 we've just got a few more for you but those videos i think that's that's what a lot of people you know how they got to know your work and, mm-hmm. and myself included um and i'm not gonna hesitate to say that like a lot of them are, are spellbinding. You know, you just oh, you thanks. find yourself transfixed by them. And 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 I wanted to know what makes a good, um, I guess, short hockey film. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I, when when we watch them, we always watch for three things. And and I, and I don't know if if you intend on. There's always the child. 
staring. A lot of kids. You yeah. know, there's always yeah. the, the child staring. There's always the goalie looking up at the air uh, or up at whatever up there. And there's always the, the bruiser, the fighter. Uh, smiling or showing some kind yeah. of rare, you know, emotion. Mm-hmm. That's that's what that, that, that's what I look for. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if if that's intended or not. But but no. What what makes a good hockey, good short hockey film? Yeah, I think I always say as kind of a not a joke, but a joke that you know the ones that have the least amount of hockey footage in are the best. Um, you know, there's so many out there now. Not to you know piss on anything that's out there but there's you know it's very easy to take a song and just drop a bunch of highlights on it and call it a video and you know it's like if people love that song the oh that was cool da, 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 and whatever but i think to really kind of dive in i think i hope this is why these things got popular is it was, it was i guess the idea of i think what makes a great one is taking it beyond the game itself and it maybe comes back to that idea of the hip or this feeling of what hockey means and and uh eyes are a huge thing for me that's why you see a lot of fans a lot of kids like that youthful kind of hope in their eyes and uh um i think you know you see if it's the window to the soul type thing you get a lot out of that if you get the right lyric or the right part of a song under the right look in someone's eyes it can those are the kind of moments that kind of stop you at least it does for me it stops you in my tracks and i think a lot of metaphor I used a lot of uh, imagery like whether it's suns or clouds or um, rain or darkness or you know whatever it might be whatever was fitting that situation so I think it was what makes a great one is you know finding first of all that piece of music that is going to perfectly tell you what you're trying to say with this thing and having something to say you know not being one of those things where it's just oh here's a bunch of goals and hits and saves to this song that people like or what excuse me or whatever but to really find out okay what am i trying to say with this thing and and then craft this thing this piece around it and digging into i guess the humanity of it and whether that's through people's eyes or through imagery or through you know reflecting back into the history of the game or the country or you know um maybe have a voice they weren't always song songs like uh, we did a lot with ron doing voiceovers and jay baruchel voiced one one time with uh loved you used a lot of like um, quotes or words from famous writers, Canadian writers, poets, uh, Al Purdy, all sorts of things like that. That just, I guess, the reason that hockey is so meaningful is because it's so tied to, I guess, who we are. And then there's all these other things that, you know, it's not just this game that people will go see. It it brings you back to your childhood or to your parents or to that moment or the city you're from or the player that meant a lot. Like you look at like a guy I did a the. Like the last year of hockey night on CBC, the 2014, the Montreal run, and that was a huge one for me. My dad's from Montreal, so that was pretty, pretty powerful for me to, you know, kind of tell the story every night. And music was a huge one, and that seven game series against Boston was one for the, for me. Like that was maybe, you know, the goodbye for me in that respect because that was, you know, after that season, that was it for me. But. uh you know, I think musically that one, I think game one was Sam Roberts, game two was Rush, game three was Leonard Cohen, which was monstrous for me, four was Arcade Fire, and game four turned out to be this one nothing overtime like battle. It was just one of those games that was, uh, I guess, you know, the reason that hockey might be so great for these things is it's got the two solitudes and it's got this beautiful, graceful, elegant side and it's got this, you know, the rugged, dark, uh, physical side to it and they kind of clash head on often in the same couple of seconds and kind of I would say create this beautiful storm and and that game was it was this battle and so game five going back to Boston again Gord uh, you know nautical disaster was the one and I, that was really cool for me because I don't know if you would pick that song is something that could tell a hockey story or an opening and um, it kind of reached deep into into uh, just the idea of of a battle and um you know someone coming out on top and someone not and just the you know that idea of life and how it's not always fair or sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and you've but you've given everything you had to it and yeah it was just moments like that and game six was matthew good and seven was winter sleep so it was just really <laughs> amazing i was really really proud of that one and a lot of history w- woven into that and a lot of rocker richard a lot of Belleville. Um, things that meant and those things blew up in Montreal a lot that was 
pretty cool to see the reaction there and uh um, a lot of people would watch the the French channel, but they would flip over to CBC at seven to to, to not miss those. And so, yeah, I think it's all of the above. I think you you try to take it beyond the game and find those moments and and those images of you know there might be a split second where someone looked away, but you slow it down and you have the right lyric underneath it, and, and it's just transcended almost and takes you um, places. Travel while standing still. Yeah. Preach, Tim. Preach. <laughs> Hockey is always healthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Hockey is always healthier when you are bringing a different perspective to the game. Uh, and that's why I you know, wanted to talk about you know, being someone involved in art and hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're bringing, some, you're bringing a, a new layer of conversation to the game that is very old. And is steeped in tradition. How can we make this fresh? Mm-hmm. How can we invite new types of people into the game? And, and how can they appreciate it? I, I believe you had a, a Radiohead song for a, yeah. for an opening, which which yeah, is Carmel remarkable. Police. I mean, yeah. I mean, Radiohead and hockey have never been in the same sentence before. Mm-hmm. But I saw that, and and my imagination just started firing. So anyway, that was uh, that was something yeah. that really tickled me. I guess was getting yeah. you know those kinds of things, like whether it was opera or whether it was uh, you know songs you would we wouldn't associate with this like one of my proudest things i guess or happiest proud happy whatever was getting a lot of canadian independent music on um i fought a lot of battles to do that uh you know the powers that be wanted a lot of top 40 stuff and i didn't want anything to do with that and i felt you know this again going back to what this game means and what music means in this country those were the you know the people that wrote the songs the the independent musicians and the canadian musicians in general but like the the write the songs with that feeling and whether you know crafted a lyric or a, a piece of music that felt like a winter morning or you know something that felt like a big city gathering around and rallying around the team or something like that like got sarah harmer on and strumbellas and uh, Sunbear and Cuff the Duke and lowest of low and all these real statics and bedini band and you know all these things that had never been on there before so yeah that was pretty cool for me to kind of be able to to do that and uh, um yeah you know well and i'm gonna ask you one more tim sure. uh, before we go and, and to get back to the hip and yeah. board, um uh. because why not uh mm-hmm. we have to we uh this is why we we have you on today and, and we appreciate you taking so much time with us but uh oh, the last one for me will be have you played hockey with these guys and what are, what are they like on the ice because if if we're talking about hockey and music uh i want to know what those guys are like on the ice with equipment on i haven't played with them directly i've asked a lot of questions uh, <laughs> the first if i could tell this story the first time i met gord outside of being the fan outside the bus was um you'll know well uh dave Sorry, Dave Bedini and Gord's brother Mike Downey did a film called The Hockey Nomad, mm-hmm. and they debuted it. They had a screening at a place uh, around Young and Dundas called the Arts and Letters Club, which, again, if you want to tie back, it's this great Victorian house that the group of seven used to drink at and stuff. And so they have it's beautiful Victorian, and they have a, a, a main front room, which was the bar, and then the back area room, which was the screening. And I think there was maybe uh, 7,500 people there or something. And uh, this would have been 2000. I'm guessing, but probably around 2002-ish. Um, and so, you know, knowing... I just met Mike, uh, and I knew... I'd known Dave for a couple of years, so he invited me, and the uh, film was awesome, and sitting there before, just watching people come in, I didn't really... I had just kind of gotten back into Toronto after retiring from hockey, so uh, it was just really cool to go to this thing, and then I look up, and Gord walks in, it's just like, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> there he is. Uh, so uh, film played, and everyone kind of spilled, but... 20 people spilled into the bar after and um standing with dave at the bar drinking and uh so i look at him and goes we're talking about the film and all sorts of stuff and i'm like hey what kind of goalie is gord and literally as i say that gord walks around the corner and he's like three feet from us and dave goes hey gord tim wants to know what kind of goalie you are and then he leaves <laughs> which is great uh not they left but you know uh so suddenly it's like this one-on-one with him and uh um, so yeah, I guess tended towards the flopping Hashik style of a, of a, of play for him. But yeah, we he's talk. He's big though, hey. He's tall. Tall. So I think yeah. that's a lot of something a lot yeah. of people don't mm-hmm. know uh, about Gordon. And, and how could you not? Uh, like he, he's a giant. The first time I met him, because um, he's got to be six three, six yeah, four, I'm six two ish, and we're yeah, sim- very kind of yeah, yeah. And, and like the first time I I met him, I was uh, nineteen. 
and and, and you, you know you you you're looking at a giant yeah. you know both physically and and kind of metaphorically right like so so i get like where you're at you you're, you're placed at a bar with them and you you probably have about a thousand questions mm-hmm. but you talk hockey right so we talked hockey and you know i from like i said i never saw him play on the ice or haven't seen him play on the ice but um if you can imagine him on stage with the flailing arms and mm-hmm. legs and stuff i assume like that's pretty much you know the goaltending style so yeah i became this uh thing where I would come in and out and see him here and there and uh, if I could tie it back to last I started a couple of years ago again another thing I found out through him was the Lake Ontario Waterkeeper which mm-hmm. is something he's very passionate about and has worked with for a long time and I was they have a gala every year and I was invited in 2015 in April to go um, I had met a few people around it Mark Matson, the guy who mm-hmm. runs it's from Kingston a lawyer who is the head of the he is the Lake Ontario Waterkeeper mm-hmm. um, they had really liked the hockey night stuff so he said oh why don't you come to the gal and see what it's all about and uh, um, maybe we can get you some, to do something for next year mm-hmm. um, so I went and it was this incredible night and it's like live music and speeches and there's an art auction and it's a great dinner and um, just really awesome people and uh, and Gord's a, b- a board member on the Waterkeeper, so he spoke about uh, an early childhood. He regaled this about ten minute story about uh, going off the drop off in Kingston as a kid and his sister saving him and stuff. And it was really funny. And his total Gord, like this ten minute mm-hmm. meandering, beautifully mm-hmm. uh, spoken story. And uh, anyway, so the night ends, uh, the formal night, and there's like, oh, there's an after party. Uh, would do you like to go? And I'm like, of course. And so there was about ten of us left in the. Uh, it was in the CBC building, actually, in one of the big studios. And so we head over to the elevators, and I'm riding in an elevator with Gord and Joseph Boyden mm-hmm. going down this elevator. And then, so we're talking, and again, it was all about hockey. And we got to this party, and there was a lot of people there still from, from the gala had come over. And uh, so we're talking hockey, 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 and all these people come over, and Gord, being the gracious, awesome guy that he is, would stop and talk to everyone. And then he'd be literally like, the conversation would finish and he'd go okay so back to Chara and yeah. <laughs> all we talked and you know when you talk hockey it's mostly Bruins with yeah. him so um, but it was just this amazing moment that's you know that whole evening was seared in my mind of just like talking about mostly the Bruins and uh, and uh, and things like that and yeah so beautiful uh, you know um, yeah so Tim it's it's been like a genuine thrill for both Joe and I to sit here and, and talk film hockey in the hip with you we we could do probably four or five yeah. parts but uh before, all these things i haven't thought about yeah <laughs> before we let you go um first things first uh sure. what's up next for you uh immediately is the olympics i'm back yep. at cbc sports so we're doing you know rio's coming up next week and uh yeah so it's uh, a bit of madness going on there right now um so yeah we'll be do, doing uh I don't know, a handful or two handfuls maybe of kind of these uh, music videos with the Olympics, which is cool. Mm-hmm. It's not hockey, but there's certainly there's 42 sports in this thing and, uh, you know, run the gauntlet of crazy emotions and, and Rio going through such trying times in the world is so crazy right now. So it's going to be interesting. Um, and so, yeah, doing that and doing some more uh, a Waterkeeper video for next year. So in the early stages of that. And yeah, hopefully I got hired last couple of years by the Leafs in Boston mm-hmm. and Montreal to do some hockey videos. So I don't know, hopefully that might present itself again next year um, in some capacity. And uh, yeah. One last one for you. Uh, put, I, I feel like I'm putting you on no, the No, no, I, like, I like that. No. Um, <laughs> favorite hip show. Ooh, wow. The next one. It's always the yeah, next one, isn't right? it? Uh, I'm, ex- as you said, uh this tour is interesting i don't it's i don't know how emotional i can't imagine what it's like for them and i don't know what it's like going to be like to be there uh we'll soon find out i guess um but of the ones i've seen hmm, i've seen a lot in so many different places one interesting one if we want to tie back to hockey was they always seem to pop up and do these surprise shows around town and mm-hmm. i had the fortunate mm-hmm. to see them at like the mod club and the danforth music hall and mm-hmm. I saw Gord at the Rivoli, the solo project, and these small venues. But in 2002, uh, Salt Lake City Olympics, Canada was playing Finland at night. 
I want to say it was the semifinal maybe it was late in or maybe late in the round robin but it wasn't one of the early games mm-hmm. it was one of the okay with the winner whatever and so they uh the winner whatever they win or they go home <laughs> or the whatever winner, the winner they don't come back yeah <laughs> yeah and uh I get, they have announced a show uh at Lee's Palace mm-hmm. and they timed it out so they played this show and then it ended and then the game started like five minutes later so I got to spill upstairs and watch the game with them and a bunch of people up, up top there and that show was as you can imagine just mm, yeah 500 people in that place yeah you know, I, I saw in. yeah i saw gord played leaves pals when when battle of the nudes came oh, out is that, that one too no yeah. uh coke machine coke glow machine Glo- sorry yeah, coke yeah. machine glow that was yeah that was a, a pretty thrill. amazing so that was cool but the big ones like opening the acc was great yep. the new year's eve show they did there i went to the states a bunch and saw them in small bars and venues there which was cool but the Lee's Palace one is a really cool memory. The Danforth Music Hall, I saw the warm-up show for the Fully Completely Tour. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. I remember Patty Sandbrook, their manager, one of their managers, about they played, for those who don't know the mm-hmm. record, from cover to cover, and locked in the trunk of a car came on, and I felt this you know, arm come around me. I'm like, oh, this is interesting, and it was Patty. And he mm-hmm. looked, looks at me and goes, this is the one that got me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, really? It was a nice moments like that. Yeah. And uh, But yeah, maybe at least Palace, if I had to choose one, but I hate to, but... But the next one, of course. The, yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. For me, it's it's got to be. Yeah, um, well, I, I the big one for me. I I took off. I, I I took a year off university, and went to Poland to go teach. And and hmm. I remember right towards the end, I was like, you know, God, am I going back? What am I doing? I say, you know, and and the hip announced a, a Europe tour, like five shows, hmm. like right as the at the end of my contract. And oh, I wow. just oh. Like, you're, you're stuck around yeah I'm like, oh, i guess i could kind of <laughs> bum around on trade so i went to go see them uh it was a few shows but the one that sticks out was at this old converted cathedral in amsterdam the parody so oh, oh right I've yeah and it. it's yeah. and for me again to, to kind of come back what we were talking about earlier they were so far removed from that hip mythology mm-hmm. you know like it's europeans have a very different approach to live music it's a lot more reverence and like oh you know like this a little more quiet and there wasn't as much hipping and there wasn't you know there wasn't as many canadian flags and to see them there but still do it without this kind of like you know captain canada backdrop was incredible Mm -hmm. that one for me was just like wow you really can do this anywhere and you don't have to be you know this this band that is that is um, you know just commonly associated with 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 small town Canada and and that's not to you know to to me that's how I hope the band is remembered is that this you know you can have any tragically hip you like hmm. you know if if right. you want them um, in a big uh, outdoor field with your buddies or if you want them in a basement you know you can there's so there's such a beautiful versatile act and I think. The way that that you know you came onto them, and the way I came onto them, and and the way I'm sure Joe eventually will come onto them is 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 you know you can come at them through any avenue, right? Yeah. Uh, to jump on that one, whether it was Lee's Palace or the Arcana Center mm-hmm. or the Paradiso, Paradiso, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you've, I'm sure you've seen online recently, someone posted a pre up to here show from in London at a mm. park, and there's what looks like 20 people there but you see the performance and there might as well have been 200,000 like giving every ounce of everything they had um which again goes to that work ethic and and the trueness and mm-hmm. beauty of what and who they are and and maybe you know if it's they're going to be the sound of Canada or they are and that's you know in the history books of I mean, hopefully the history books of future mm-hmm. time they will be recognized as and seen as you know this is Canada's band this is the sound of Canada Tim thanks so much for joining us uh, today my pleasure thank you it was as though I'd been spit here settled in into the pocket of a lighthouse on some rocky socket of the coast of France